are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Have you ever considered the importance of one, just one person? And I want us to leave today and you say, well, I'm old. I, I, I just have days, weeks, months, years left. I'm very old. Would you be that one person that would change? Brother Tony and Shirley, I'm sorry I didn't recognize you. I see you right there. We're glad to have you from Ohio. But may I say this? Could you be that one person? Because you're retired, God's not done with you. Not finished with you, Grandpa, Grandma. Perhaps your greatest work should be right now. Perhaps God's going to raise you up in the ministry of prayer for this country, for a pastor, for your children, for your grandchildren. Job did that. His kids were all grown, grown and yet they were feasting. He said, I think I better go pray for my kids that they, they, they sin not. Our text is a crazy man. And that one man is going to make a difference, just like George Washington made a difference. And Abraham Lincoln made a difference and so many others. You know, this crazy man was chained to the tombs. And this crazy man, they were not afraid of him. But when he got saved, they said, we don't want you out of our city. I really believe that we're living in an environment, perhaps even in this great city of ours, and I got a note from the mayor this week, and she might be listening. And the note last week, I guess it was, and she said, I can't do anything, my hands are tied. Then why do we have a mayor? If you cannot do anything, why at least advocate for us. Well, I'm going to do that. No, you're not, Mayor. I've been so kind and so thoughtful for this church, this area, for 45 years pastoring this church, but you're not doing your job. And this is not going to become a political message, but Mr. Mr. Newsom, you're not doing your job. Something's wrong, sir. It's not working. We tried it your way. Try it God's way. Open up that church. One man can make a difference. Governor Newsom, you could make the difference. I want you to know today that Jesus came and this man was changed and, and he said, I want to go with you. They don't even want me in this town. He said, Jesus said, no, you go back to Decapolis. Well, nobody in Decapolis wants me. They told me to get out of here. Jesus said, you stay. For one year, he stayed in that town. He went to the meat market. The man in the butcher, he looked at him and said, oh, I, 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 I don't want to deal with you because, hey, don't worry, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm in my right mind. I've got some folks coming over. We want some steaks. I'm going to throw on the grill. Could I buy some? He said, by the way, as you get those ready, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Jesus changed me. That butcher heard the salvation message undoubtedly. And that butcher said, you know what, crazy man? I need Jesus. And he led him to Christ. He went down and got a haircut. The barber was uh, sharpening that razor. Said, I might have to use this on this crazy man. I thought he was crazy before, but he's really crazy now. And he said, don't worry about me. He got in the chair and he said, you know, I want to tell you something, Fred. 
Fred, you need Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus did. And Fred bowed his knee and prayed and asked Christ to save him. You say, there's no butcher in the Bible. There's no barber in the Bible. Hold on a moment. He went from place to place. He got himself a new suit of clothes and he won that man that clothed the earth to Christ. Everywhere he went, he was winning people of Jesus Christ. Fast forward one year. Fast forward one year to that city. Chapter number seven, Mark seven, if you will, please. In Mark chapter seven, my Bible says Jesus is coming through Decapolis again, verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre, Sidon, he came to the midst of the sea, of the, under the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of, here it is, Decapolis. He's going back to Decapolis the place where they wanted him out and they wanted the crazy man out. But would you look at verse number 33? And he took him aside from the, what's that next word? Say it together, church. Multitude. They're coming to see Jesus. Not asking him to leave, not asking the crazy man, where'd the multitude come from? It came from one crazy man. One man made a difference in that city. Notice what the Bible says. And straightway, of course, verse 35, his ears were opened and, and his a string of his tongue was loosed and he began, he spake plain. Jesus performed a miracle and he charged them that they should tell no man, but that he should be charged them. So much the more a great deal published it. Not only did they get saved and they came to hear Jesus, now they're taking the same message to that city and that city is going to be changed. You know, one crazy man made the difference. Today I come to you on behalf, could you be that one person? Could you be that one person? You know, it doesn't take a multitude to change, it takes one person. It doesn't take a, a husband and a wife, I believe that's the way God had it planned, but you know, you might have a godless husband, but one godly wife could make a difference. You know, you might have a godless wife, but you could be a godly husband and make a difference. You know, you could be a godly couple and have a wayward son or a wayward daughter like the prodigal son, and that one person make a difference. You could be a Sunday school teacher and make a difference in the life of that child. You could be a bus worker and make one a difference in one person's life. In one person's life. 1.5 million boys and girls have ridden buses to this church and got saved and trusted Christ. Oh yes, some have done wrong. I just prayed with a sweet lady back here. A young girl rode our buses and she had to check herself into prison that day. And we write back and forth and she's in jail now. But I'll tell you what, God's doing a great work in her life. She's gonna get out. She'll be a good mother to those two precious kids. I thank God for her. Oh, I know, I know we had a boy arrested because not long ago, he used to ride our buses and he stopped coming and he murdered someone. He's over here in the jail awaiting sentencing. I know. Oh, there are those stories. But I also know there are men out preaching today all over the globe that rode those buses that came from terrible homes and terrible situations and they're on mission fields and they're serving God and faithful to God and good husbands and good wives. Yes, there's one person that could make a difference. I want to illustrate by the Bible. There was one lad, one lad with one lunch with five loaves and two fishes, and 5,000 men were fed, beside women and children. There was one crazy man in this text that changed the city. There was one boy, and the armies 
were all fighting against Israel and the Philistines fought against them and were defying them every day. Give me a man. And a little boy came, one boy, one boy. Only a boy named David, only a little sling. Only a boy named David, but he could pray and sing and he could also sling. And he went out and there that Goliath defied the armies and that little boy came with those five stones. Why did he bring five stones? Because if he missed one, oh no, he wasn't planning on missing. Because Goliath, there were four other brothers. He said, might as well get the whole crowd at the same time. May I say this? He took that little sling, that little shepherd boy, one person did, and defied that Goliath, and he had the rock stone sink in his head, and he fell, he cut his head off, and the Philistines had to surrender to those Jews that day. One boy, one boy made the difference. Would it be something if you were that one boy in our youth group? Would it be something if you were that one boy in this college? Would it be something if you were that one girl, that one lady? I think of a, a, a woman, a very courageous woman in the Bible. She was a Jew. She became queen. She was in the palace. And she saw what was happening to the Jews. They saw what was gonna happen to that entire crowd of Jews that were gonna slaughter them. And she said, I, I, I'm not gonna tolerate my people being slaughtered. And she said this, and thank God for a sweet little name, Ruth. And Ruth, we have a Ruth here today, and many Ruths undoubtedly. And Ruth said, if I perish, I perish. But I'm not gonna go down without a fight. One lady, one lady made a difference. Second Kings chapter five, Nahum was captain of the guard for the king of Syria. And all of a sudden he had leprosy. Leprosy's so awful. I think of a leper calling I was in the Philippines. It was awful to see that situation. And you see these people with leprosy. And her, her leader had leprosy. And that little, the Bible says, a little maid, a little maid came to Mrs. Nahum and said, oh, would to God that my, my as a servant, the man that I serve, he would get to the man of God. What did God, he'd get to the man of God for God could heal him and the man of God healed him. Why? One little teenage maid, one little girl. Several weeks ago, we were in Second Corinthians chapter eight and nine for about two or three messages. Do you know there was a one lady, she was a businesswoman. Her name was Lydia, a seller of purple. And she was in Macedonia and she, she was, wanted to get the gospel. And the apostle Paul went to Macedonia, which is Europe, and he took the gospel. He wanted to go to Africa, Asia and Africa, but God said, no, you don't go there. I want you to go to Europe. And because the gospel went to Europe, it eventually wound up in the United States of America, and we have the gospel because there was a lady of Thyatira who was selling purple, a businesswoman, and she got saved, and she led her whole house to Christ, and they were baptized, and they started a church in her house. One lady, all of Europe, can trace it back to Lydia. May I remind you, there was one person called a Samaritan, they, Jews hated the Samaritans. They called them half breeds. They were half Jew and half some other race. They hated the Samaritans. 
And yet this one Samaritan saw this person bleeding on the highway and everyone passed by. And that one, if you saw a Samaritan coming, you would cross the road so you wouldn't have to have to cross a Jew and not have to cross the path of a Samaritan. And everybody passed by this one bleeding to death. And that Samaritan bound him up and took him to an inn and checked him in the hotel and gave him food and said, put it all on my account. His brother Dan just sang and said, I'll take care of all of it. And that one Samaritan changed that life. There was one disciple who had cussed and cursed and backslidden, but he got right with God after he went out whipped bitterly. And just a few days later, he's standing up and he's preaching the gospel on Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. One man. One man made a difference. There's a man hanging on that cross named Jesus and to his left is one and to the other side is one. Two thieves and the one said unto him as he confessed his sin to God, remember me this day. Remember me. I want to be saved. I want to have my life changed. And Jesus remembered him today that will be with me in paradise. One lady, I think of an elderly lady by the name of Anna in Luke chapter two, she served God for 84 years at church, gave herself to that, but look how God used her with Jesus when Jesus is born. There's an elderly man who his name was Simon and Simeon, and Simeon is that man that God, uh, wanted, he said, before you die, you're gonna see Jesus, the Son of God. There's a man who reached the nations of the world. He was a hopeless man. The condition was awful. He was hailing men and women putting them in prison, consenting unto their death, even consenting unto the death of Stephen, the, uh, the great uh, deacon in the church. And what happened to him? He got saved on Acts, in Acts 9, that Damascus road. And that one man wrote most of the New Testament for us. He established churches everywhere. One person can make a difference. There's a poor little lady. She was a widow. They all came by casting their money into the offering plate. And they cast in from their abundance, but she took everything she had and she deposited everything. And God said, your gift is larger than anyone else's gift. That one lady made a difference in giving. I think of that praying mother and she said, oh dear God, give me a child or I'll die. Give me a child. I need a child. I want a child. And she'd go year after year, God, give me a child. I'll give him back to you. And Hannah had a baby in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2, a praying woman. And that one lady gave us a great prophet by the name of Samuel. And Samuel guided the nation. One praying mother made a difference. One dad stayed at home. His son stayed at home as well and they worked, but the other son went and he wasted his goods. He said, Father, give me that which befalls me. I want my inheritance now. And he went on, he lived in righteous living and he spent it all and was in the hog pen. Dad never went out looking for him. Instead, dad stayed home and prayed for him. And thank God one night as dad was praying for that boy, the prodigal came home and said, I'm no worthy to be called a son. Make me as one of thy hired hand. And he called for the robe and he called for a ring and he called for a fatted calf. And he said, this my son was dead, but now he's alive. My son has come home again. There was a man and he was all alone in life. Nobody. He had God, but nobody else. Nobody else. Nobody else. He was lonely. And God put him to sleep one night, did surgery and took one rib, one rib, and one rib made the difference. He got a wife out of that one rib called Eve. You know, there was one tree. God said, don't touch it. One is so important to the Bible. And that tree, because they touched it, 
brought judgment into this world. There was one man that feared God above all other men in the East. His name was Job. But he was tested like no other man. There's one day of the week that's supreme over all other days upon the first day of the week. This is God's day. This is God's day where we come together and assemble together to sing and to shout. Did I say sing and to sing? And to shout and to praise God and to weep and to get right with God and see people saved and tithe and to hear a choir. Yes, choirs are in the, the Bible. May I say that day is supreme day. You don't give that day to God. You've wrestled away from God the day, the resurrection day. I'm reminded in Genesis 2, verse 24, two have become one. One couple can make a difference. One couple in this church. A pastor from, I believe it was New York, texted me last Sunday afternoon. It's a small church, a young growing church. He said, Pastor, Brother Treber, I had, we had a Sunday, Easter Sunday morning, this morning, he said last week in the afternoon. He said, I had a new convert in church today in our small little church. That convert brought 36 people to church this morning. One man made a difference. Here's a crazy man. One man in the Bible. There's one sheep, one coin, one lost son. But every time, how about some scripture to back all this up? How about what it says in 1 Timothy 2.8? For there's one God. I like that right there. There's one God. And one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. How about the scripture, wherefore is by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin. So death is passed upon all men, for, by, uh, for all have sinned. How about this scripture in Romans 5, 17? The Bible says, for as by one man's offense, death reigned by one. So the Bible says much more by the grace of the gift of righteousness shall reign by one Jesus Christ. One paid for my sin. I'm so thankful that Paul said this, this one thing I do. I'm talking to businessmen, businesswomen. I'm talking to husbands and wives. Could we leave out here with the desire? This is where I'm putting my focus and attention. Sure, yes, absolutely seek ye first the kingdom of God. But this week, God has created me for this purpose. Everyone cannot be the salesman. Everyone cannot be the CEO. Everyone cannot be the pastor. But whatever God wants you to do, you be that one and make a difference. There's one body, Ephesians tells us, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one baptism, one God. There's one. One is supreme. How about these songs? We sing this in elementary chapel. We sing it on Wednesdays from time to time. One door and only one. And yet its sides are two. Inside and outside. On which side are you? One door. Jesus said, I am the door. Not I'm the doors. I'm the door. The door is through Jesus Christ. You don't go through the door of baptism. You don't go through the door of offering plate. You don't go for the, through the door of confirmation. You don't go through the door of good works. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. It's always singular. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. One sat alone. One sat alone. Beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind. The light he could not see. He clutched his rags. 
he shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bid my darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, all fears are washed away. How about just one? I think of that little lady sitting at the well, like the woman at the well I was seeking. She was seeking Christ and did not even know it. I traveled down a lonesome road and no one seemed to care, oh, but Jesus cares. I love that song. We don't sing it as much as we do. Two, two, if should, 226 in our hymn book. I saw one hanging on a tree in bitter agony. He fixed his languid eyes on me. Oh, Jesus died on that cross. He died alone for you and for me. No, not one. No, not one. How about one more hill, one more valley, and I'll be home. Let me go to this. And I know I'm having you listen a lot today instead of going through and we're not exegeting today. But you go back. I think you're getting enough Bible. Well, I should not say enough. I think you're getting Bible. Jesus was always looking for one. Always looking for one. There's blind Bartimaeus. And when Jesus saw what Bartimaeus could not see, he saw a blind man tapping along. And as he saw that man, he put his eyes on him and healed him. Jesus saw a woman, a widow, following a casket, and her only son was in that casket. And Jesus broke up every funeral procession wherever he was at, and he stopped the funeral and raised her son to life dead again. Jesus stopped one singular deaf man. He stopped for a child, and they said, get the children away from it. And he said, suffer the little children, allow them to come unto me for such is the kingdom, and he put him on his lap. You know, there was one who was demon-possessed, and here it is. There was one that was hungry, and he fed. There was one up in a tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I'm gonna dine with you at your house. There was one, a ruler, that came to Jesus by night to ask him the way of salvation and light. The master made answer, and words true and plain, ye must, Nicodemus, be born again. One came to him lame, one came to him as a leper, you know about the life of Andrew Murray. He was the great, hundreds of years ago, the great, great uh, prayer warrior. So many books Andrew Murray wrote, great missionary. Andrew Murray was born in South Africa. His dad was a preacher there. His family had 11 children. That mother and that dad, they had poverty, they had nothing, but they had God. And those parents said, we are gonna dedicate our children to know and love and serve God. You know, Andrew Murray's home, four brothers became preachers, five sisters became preachers' wives. But it doesn't stop there. The next generation is even more striking. They had 10 grandsons that became preachers of the gospel. And they had 13 that became missionaries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm just asking you today, could you be that one? Could you leave here today and say, I'm going to make a difference in my wife's life. I'm going to live for my wife. I'm going to care for my wife. We have several today at home because of cancer. And there's a mate that is caring lovingly for that wife or for that husband. And those dear godly people, thank God for who they are. I see such strong marriages. May I say to you today, could you be the one? Would you take your life this weekend with your business say, my life's going to count for Jesus. I'm going to bring joy and happiness to everyone on the pathway of life. 
I'm going to do something. I'm asking you to build something with your life. Again, build a bus route. Build a Sunday school class. Build a family. Go, fellas, you Bible college men and high school boys that go out and pastor. And we've sent out so many. Go pastor a church and go reach a city for Christ and, 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 and build a marriage and build a business and be a mother and be a father and be a praying grandparent and a praying grandmother and a praying grandfather and be a self-denying person and be a person that brings joy. Go to your corporation and smile and be happy on the pathway of life. I, I want to say, Brother Cooper, we were talking before church. You were preaching yesterday in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's a great city. But if you name, name the name Chattanooga, if anybody knows anything about church work, Chattanooga is one man's name, Lee Robertson. You say Chattanooga, and I've been at those buildings, and he's home with the Lord now. In fact, you were talking to me about a, a preacher probably 40, 50 years ago. Dr. Lee Robertson said, well, just write me a note. I'll come preach. He goes, well, we're in a storefront. He goes, just write me a note. I'll come preach. I don't care if it's a storefront. I, I love the storefront. And he said, well, what's the address? He said, just put Lee Robertson, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And the mail would come, Lee Robertson. I've been at that great church. 12,000 people a Sunday. The great Bible college, Tennessee Temple University. It's all gone. He's been gone for years. It's all sold now. If you used to say Pontiac, Michigan, everybody would say Tom Malone. If you would give these cities, Walkertown, North Carolina, a little town, in the tobacco fields of North Carolina. And, and there's a man's name who was born right there. I attended his funeral about two, three years ago, participated, Brother Bobby Robertson, pastor there 62 years, the same length of time that Isaiah had his ministry in the book of Isaiah. If you say Walkertown, North Carolina, in any Baptist circle in America today, they'll say Bobby Robertson, the man with the eighth grade education. You know, if I said... If I said, think with me today, if I use this name, Henry Ford, we all think the same thing, automobile. We see, they hear the name Michael Jordan. I don't think preacher. I don't think evangelist. I don't even think husband and father. I don't know if he is, but I think basketball. Maybe it's because I trained and worked with him so many times and try to get him to learn how to shoot. But Michael Jordan, it's basketball. If I mention the name Sam Walton, I think of Walmart because he started it, Sam Walton. If I say the name, and he would attend church here when he was a football player, when he went to the Super Bowl, he's known for one thing. He's not known for the Super Bowl. He's not known for, the, for what he did on the football field. He's known for one thing. I say the name Colin Kaepernick. He's known for one thing. He kneels for our flag. He doesn't stand for our flag. Had a preacher here out, preaching out here to the college students this past week. He said, I think the NFL now has colon cancer. I'm just saying today, I'm not saying good or bad. You can figure it out. George Soros, he's known for something. He's known for something. It's not normally right-wing conservative causes. He's known for something. Uh, do you know that Warren Buffett is known for something? Do you know that 
Mr. Gates, Bill Gates is known for something. I say the Civil War, I think of Abraham Lincoln. Barack Obama is known for something. Donald Trump is known for something. Gloria Steinem is known for something. Communism, socialism, Nazism, known for something. By the way, I say this, this, this group has a lot of things they're known for in health and in medicine and in treatments. But when I say the name, you think of one thing and that's abortion, Planned Parenthood. They're known for the slaughter of babies. May I say today, if I mention Orlando, Florida, we think of Disney World. If we mention the murder city of the world, I think of Chicago. If I mention Portland, Oregon, we think about buildings being hijacked and stolen from business owners and still not able to go back to their businesses. If I say the word hate Ashbury, we think of drugs in the 1960s. I'm out of time. I'm just saying that everybody is going to die and there's going to be one thing we could put on your grave marker. What are you known for? What's the one thing, what's the one thing, teenager, you're doing? Ruthie, I was scared. I was frightened. When you said I went to second grade with you, we graduated together. I thought, oh boy, oh boy. What does she know that I don't even know? What does she know? Why, I don't know why we think that way. And she said, oh no, Jack, you are perfect. You did say that. Yeah, I thought so. You're in church now. You're lying in church. But you're going to know, be known for something. I, I, I ran into someone about maybe 15 years ago. He says, you're Jack. I said, I am. She said, we went to high school together. And she said, what are you doing with your life? I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. And I, I wasn't a good testimony in school. I didn't know how it would be a good testimony. And I, properly, and she said, I knew you would be a Baptist preacher. She said, what's your sister Jill doing? I said, she's married to a Baptist preacher. She goes, I knew it. What are you known for? Bitter, angry, mad, liar, stealer, thief, drug addict, drunk. God can change all of that. A, a mother that's always biting biting back and critical, a dad who's always judgmental. What are you known for? If I had your funeral this week, what would I say? What word identifies this man? One word identifies this man. What is it? That ought to start when you're a teenager. That ought to start when you're an elementary child. That ought to start when you're in college. One person, I knew, I knew God would use you. There's a man, if you'll remember, in Paris, what's called the Reign of Terror, the late 1700s, the Reign of Terror was awful. Studied in history. They picked up people, particular men off the streets and put them in dungeons and slaughtered them during the Reign of Terror. One night they picked up an old man in the Reign of Terror and threw him in a dungeon. So weak and so cold and so damp and he could not sleep and he began to walk around He'd hear those chains of others that were chained and they were ready tomorrow to have their heads severed at the guillotine. He walked around and he saw a mass of flesh, a young man, and went to try to cover the boy and get him warmth. And to his amazement, he looked down and it was his son. 
through the reign of terror, they lost contact with one another. And he realized that his boy was going to have his head severed tomorrow from that emperor. That boy lay there asleep. That old man said, I can do one thing for him. We both share the same exact name. And tomorrow when they come, God, would you keep them asleep? Let them sleep soundly as you let Daniel sleep in those den of lions. They came and three guards came and they said, they called his name. That father stood and he said, I am he. It was really for his son. That dad had his head severed for his boy. What are you known for? That boy has to always live with the fact my dad gave his life for me. My dad loved me so much that my father took my, my judgment and let me live. The young boy walked up to his father. He said, Dad, I'm very depressed. Well, get over it, son. He said, Dad, you don't understand. I'm going to kill myself tonight. The man, a wealthy businessman, put his pen down, realized his son was serious. He knew how to make money, but he didn't know about the needs of his own son. He said, son, why do you want to commit suicide? He said, because I've defied my body with women and now I have a disease and there's no cure, I don't think. Dad said, son, I have the money. I'll send you. And he sent him away for about a year for treatments. So he sent him away and he was treated and the treatments worked. And he came home. In time, he fell in love with a beautiful young lady. They were married. She's expecting now their first child. The night that she delivered, two tragedies took place. One, his wife died in childbirth. Two, he discovered that that child had deformities. He said, I can't live with it. I can't live with it. I'm not going to live with it. He took the revolver he was going to use so many years ago and went outside and killed himself. The little boy was raised. And as he was raised, he always felt rejected by his dad who took his life. That grandfather did his best he could, but it was beyond his capability. That boy grew up, and one day he was in New York, excuse me, Buffalo, New York. And in Buffalo, there was a president coming, the United States president called William McKinley. He stood in line to see McKinley. By now, he's an angry young adult man. My mother died. My dad committed suicide. My grandfather's now gone. I have these deformities. There's no reason to live. They saw the president shook hands with them pulled out a revolver and killed President McKinley. What a tragedy. One man took the life of our president. I recall, and we were in seventh grade, Ruthie, when 
we heard of John F. Kennedy. Mr. Vargas was my school teacher. Mr. Vargas, I'll never forget, the pr principal came in and said, I have terrible news to report. John F. Kennedy has just been shot. We don't know if he's alive or dead. Girls began to weep. Our teacher said, let's pray together. And we prayed as a public school right here. I went home and folded my papers that day and delivered them. The next day, we heard of the whole ordeal that he, that night we heard he was actually dead. I remember, in fact, I have a copy of the paper. 1963 that I delivered, John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. Do you know that Lee Harvey Oswell will always be remembered for one act, killing a United States senator, a United States president. I don't want my life to be lauded by anyone. Through this entire ordeal, we've had so many news media. They call. I never go on the news, never. The newspapers call. The radio syndicate prep, they call. I don't go on them. I don't know how in the world they got that other than this online. Maybe I made a video. I have no, they, they get frustrated with me. Why won't you talk to us? Why won't you come on this, this program, on this program? I have no desire. I don't want that to be my ministry is spinning from the news. This is the news I want to speak about right here. You say, but wouldn't it be kind of cool to see yourself on TV? I wouldn't watch it. I would never watch it. I don't want to watch it. It would depress me. I have more hair than that. How'd they take that shot? I look younger than that. I don't want that to be what I'm known for. Brother Lee, Brother, Brother Bernardino, one of my good deacons, lays to rest out here in the cemetery. His wife and family put on his tombstone a picture of North Valley Baptist Church. My friend Wally Davis that lays right next door him. Now they hear girls, their grown girls are neighbors, their grandkids, has an open Bible that's engraved and etched into the granite that's on top. I want to be known as a man that loved God, a man that loved my wife and children and grandchildren, and a man that loved North Valley Baptist Church and Golden State Baptist College, a man that made a difference with his life. I failed at that so much. It bothers me. I maybe have enough time Truly make my life count. Would you be that one person? I know we're out of time. The crowd would used to sing this song. Will you be the one? I'm asking you to be the one. Would you be the one to get saved today? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.